Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, well, yep, you guessed it. It's the first Friday of the month and the last first Friday of 2020. So we'll be checking in with Dr. Alessandra Duke about her cross-country adventures, as well as talking magic, wonder, and purpose, even when things look different than what we had planned. And now I welcome your hosts for the day, Sunny Joy McMillan and Dr. Alessandra Duke. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. And as Benny said in our intro, it is first Friday, which means I'm one of your hosts, Sunny Joy, joined by Dr. Alessandra Duke. Yeah, we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with joy, peace, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. You can find those at 1150kknw.com. You can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One. Um, and my website is goldenoversoul.com. And Alessandra, what is your website? My website is alessandraduke.com. <laughs> yes. And I'm being very mindful <laughs> how we present these things. Yes. Um, yes. Since we are doing our uh, KPCA broadcast now um, again, and uh, but it's about a week late when it happens in K at KPCA. So anyway, I was thinking about that. I was like, it's not first Friday by the time KPCA listeners hear it, but that is okay. We are, this is what happens when we are accommodating um, the studio being closed because of the continued pandemic and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, okay. So Alessandra, shall we check in with Benny first? Yes, let's hear what Benny's got going on. Benny. What? Is he there? <laughs> <laughs> Benny's always Benny. there. Yeah, How am I not? Benny, How are you? Give us the update. Uh, nothing much to report, really. Uh, it was a great Thanksgiving holiday last weekend. We kind of obviously stayed in and did things uh, on the mini scale, which I think a lot of uh, other people in the uh, area were doing as well. I can't speak for everyone, but just in our area. I did a lot of Zooming. I think a lot of people did that, too, which was fantastic. We got to watch people stuff their faces, not knowing we were watching them, which is good. <laughs> Wait, uh, what? Well, come on. You know, you leave your Zoom up where everyone else, you know, because there's some families that have done that. Oh. They'll, like, leave. We did it a couple years ago, too, so that's why I'm also calling my family out. <laughs> okay, okay. We leave it on, running in the background, and if people wanted to walk by and say hi, if anyone else was paying attention, you know, to the Zoom feed or Skype feed or whatever you got going on, and some people have also set it right up in the table like it's a chair, like a person in a <laughs> chair. I've seen that already. So, yeah, I mean, it was simple. It was great times. Uh, the girlfriend and I did our first turkey. Actually, she did the first turkey. I give her credit. I was at work, and then I had to rush home and then do my sides and take care uh -huh. of that. So she took care of the most of the preparation and you know, digging around in the old uh, turkey butt, <laughs> so to speak. Nice. So some pretty good pictures of that, by the way. Uh, and uh, yeah, we had a great time. Yeah. Okay. So number one, 
are any of those pictures available? Are are they? Did you put them on social media? Or there's are those a couple. Just yeah, there's a couple all? floating around. Yeah, there's some on there. I can also send them to you individually. Thank you okay. for asking. I well, we'll that. need to see these. I mean, I'm just thinking for listeners out there, if they follow Benny on Facebook, then maybe they will see some of these. Um, and then secondly, um, what are your sides that you make? Do you have like uh, things that you're like your traditional things, like your family's recipes or something? Yes. Uh, one in particular, I'm a sweet potato guy um, mm-hmm. from years past. I know you've got the Texas roots, um, mm-hmm. so it might be a southern dish, too. So my family, which is my mom's side, uh, my grandma did it. And since she's passed, my mom kind of took over a little bit. And then everyone kind of, <laughs> to be honest, stopped eating it, but, except for me and, like, my mom. So I... <laughs> The dish used to be big, and then it kind of progressively got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller (laughs) until it's like a one-person dish, basically. So I kind of made a smaller version of it, but it was still there. And it was like it's like a candied glaze, um, sweet potato dish with like yams and stuff like that. Not I don't overdo it with all the mushrooms or mushrooms, uh, marshmallows. That's the word I was looking for. And uh, yeah, pretty simple. You know, just do a little uh, a glaze kind of. Uh, brown sugar and orange juice meets glaze with some pecans on the top. That's pretty much what I went with. Oh, and I did mashed potatoes too, which was a lot of potatoes. To mash. Mm. Yeah. Nice, Benny. Good to know. And nice. I've got now. I've got the full picture. Yeah, Benny on holidays. You're gonna be zoomed in yeah. next year. Then I think that's what we need. <laughs> we'll give you the I link so anybody can check. I'm a fan of the potatoes. See? I like to have like I mean three or four different kinds. That know, is right? that is my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, nice. it's the carb and starch load, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah. High nice. five. High five, Dr. Alessandra. <laughs> <laughs> High five. Yeah, I know, because anytime anyone's like, okay, well, what do you want to, you know, contribute to the dinner? What do you want to make sure you have? And I'm like, I'm like, cheesy potatoes, yes. mashed potatoes, yes. um, you know, all the potatoes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, and they're like, okay, but do you think we need three or four different potatoes? Do you, do you just want to pick one? And I'm like, absolutely not. No, nope. I think we totally all of those. <laughs> yeah. oh God, we have been watching Superstore. <laughs> By the way, the nice sound effect from Bo on right. Superstore. Anyway. Um, okay, so then I guess yeah. now that we've checked in with Benny, it's time to find out. Where in the world is Dr. <laughs> Alessandra? Tell me where in the world is Dr. Alessandra. Tell me where in the world oh, Tell me where can she be? This does beg yeah. the question, you know, where I, I have to ask you now these days, I'm like, where are you again? Because I had a pretty good idea when you were coming through California or more West Coast. But now that you're on the East Coast, I'm like, I just don't even know anymore. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's one of our big things to do today is to check in on your adventures and, and again, I mean, kind of framing this up, um, every time I talk to you, I just like the book that you're going to write about this becomes clearer and clearer in my mind. I just see that like this little dot moving across the United States and these being certain points. Like, I just feel like it's going to be your, I hate to compare things when they say, oh, it's like eat, pray, love mixed with whatever. But it really, this is, I, I think what you are going through as you're processing it is helpful. And then also on the other side of this, when you are able to reflect back and connect dots, again, I think it's gonna be really helpful and inspiring to other people who may be called to do something similar. So anyway, just to, okay. I think so. so. And I just, you know, it's been amazing how many people have just organically said, so when are you gonna write the book? (laughs) When's the book coming out? 
when do I get to read the book? You know, right. and I think, I do think it's like, it's very, very fascinating how, um, you know, something that you maybe don't even plan for yourself that when you're just doing fully guided by intuition ends up so inspiring for others, you know, because, you know, at the very beginning, I wasn't, I had no intention of being inspiring to anyone. I was just like, I need to go somewhere, right? It just, and I, and so it's been just interesting, this kind of unfolding. And I even had my own coach slash therapist say to me the other day, you know, you're like, um, you're a little like where the where's Waldo thing, you know, where you like look at the whole country and you're looking like, where's Waldo, you know, when they used to have that little figure and you'd find Waldo with the, the red and white striped uh-huh. shirt and hat. And she said, but your where's Waldo would be like in cheetah print. You know? <laughs> so it's like, where's Alessandra? Yeah. <laughs> It was really fun. And it's fun to have this be entertaining for other people as well. Um, but I am currently in Virginia. I am in Richmond, Virginia, which is um, a really lovely city um, uh, about, let's see, it's maybe uh, about an hour and some change away from Washington, D.C., just to kind of like orient, you know, people. And so I've been between Richmond and Charlottesville, Virginia, um, for the last little while. You know, I did last time we talked on the radio show, I had hopped home, um, my former home in Washington to take care of things and let go of our house and pack up things. And, um, that, and that was a, that was a challenging trip. Um, but, uh, back here in Richmond and I'm kind of, I'm just sort of staying around this area until, um, probably until the end of the year. Um, I've got some really dear close friends here and so they feel like family and wanting to just catch my breath for a minute and stay with people I love. And so that's what I'm doing. Yes. Yeah. And so definitely we'll talk about some of the magic and the serendipity that continues to guide you um, along the path. But I also, I think um, it's helpful because you've had some moments where it's not just 24 seven sunshine, rainbows and intuition Uh (laughs) lighting up a golden path ahead of you. And so uh, for those moments, I think it's helpful to kind of break those down and unpack it so that if other people are feeling like they've kind of lost their light in the dark, dark tunnel, how do you handle that? I mean, I don't know which, there's so many parts we could talk about, um, both the inspiring and the less magical. Yes. (laughs) I don't know where you feel called to go. Um, we could even, you know what, what the other thing that this factors into is, uh, us reaching out to each other basically earlier this week, um, right after the full moon and the eclipse that happened on the, 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 you know, the end of November, right. The first day of December ish. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, if other people had experienced, that was kind of what kicked up our conversation a little bit about this. Anyway, I'm kind yes. of all over the place, but where, where do you, where do you, how should we dive in? <laughs> well, yeah. Cause I'll just say for those listening, I had reached out to Sunny because I was just having this, like this, this kind of feeling, this anxiety that I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint and kind of these fearful feelings and just was feeling all of these kind of fears come up. Like, 
oh gosh, you know, here I am. And I've had all of these amazing things happen over the, you know, the last five or six months. And has the universe forgotten about me? I don't see a path, right? And so I thought, you know what I need? I need some sunny magic, right? Like I have something's <laughs> off. I feel off. What is happening? So I texted Sunny and texted you. And um, and then you had said, because I, I said, I've heard that there's this eclipse going on. And you said, yes, like you had been feeling similar, just kind of anxiousness, something going on, couldn't quite pinpoint it also. So I think there was definitely something in the air, you know, yeah. um, and it was so helpful to talk to you because, yeah, one of the things that I was talking about is, you know, it's kind of like when we're sharing some adventures publicly or we're sharing our lives, you know, on things like social media and things, it's like you kind of get the highlight reel of other people's lives. And I don't really, I don't necessarily think that that's people are trying to hold out from you or anything like that. I just think, you know, that the things that we sort of share are like, oh, here's this beautiful picture of something I saw. And here's this, you know, here's this gorgeous thing that opened up for me. And it can create this kind of um, maybe belief that, oh, this person is having just all butterflies, rainbows, magical experiences, right? right. And so behind the scenes of that, um, you know, there's lots of times where it does feel less magical. And I think going through, um, going through the grief and going through the, the end of the, the relationship with my partner and, and the ways that that's, you know, it's transitioned beautifully, but it's also been, you know, their grief comes in waves. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and as soon as I think I'm kind of, like, oh yes, I'm I'm back. I'm feeling myself. I feel juicy. I feel alive. Let's go put on the cheetah print. I got the red <laughs> lipstick. Then I'll have a day where I'm like, oh no, what happening? <laughs> you know, and I don't see the next path forward. And you know, as we've talked about, like the breadcrumbs are not clear. And mm-hmm. I'm in the that kind of that sort of in between space where I think um, I think a lot of those questions come up, like you know, and like, am I okay? Is this going to be okay? Am I safe? Am I all of these things? And it ends up being this huge opportunity to be able to look. And I mean, I've developed such an amazing, trusting relationship with the universe over the last, especially over this last bit of time. And so it's having to trust that even in these sadder, harder, grief-filled, can't-see-the-light moments, that yes, that the universe has me here too, right? That spirit has me here too, and I'm being guided too. So, um, so that's just kind of where it's been in this in this bit of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, maybe we should. Um, th- can we talk a little bit about since we brought up the eclipses? Because I think this may be interesting. Yes. I learned a fun fact about eclipses this week that. I'm sure many KKNW listeners already know, um, given it's such a spiritually minded audience. Um, I am definitely, I'm more like a cosmically curious than some astrological expert. I get most of my information from just a couple of key sources, primarily Tosha Silver. I really like her take. Um, she's more of an evolutionary astrologist in the sense that not looking at these planetary conjunctions as being like, oh no, Mercury is in retrograde. Don't send anything by mail and be careful. Your computer will shut down. 
more along the lines of each planetary conjunction creates a container of energy for certain things to happen, all for our benefit. Even though, you know, it can be uncomfortable in the human experience sometimes, but it's never to be punishing or it shouldn't, it's not negative. It's just, this is the energy of, sometimes it's an energy of going deep and scooping out things. And sometimes it's an energy to push you forward to, you know, create something. So I like, I like the folks that don't have very, that's not a doomsday astrological approach. So all that said, mm-hmm. I learned a fun fact this week that, um, and if I'm, for those astrologers out there, if I am not articulating this well, I, my apologies, but my, my understanding from um, the call this week was that um, eclipses go in 19 year cycles. So for example, the eclipse that we had on December 1st this week, um, that particular conjunction of where the moon was for that eclipse with the certain planets had not happened since 2001. And from there, it had not happened since 1982 and so forth. Um, And so Tosha was pointing out that it can be important to look at what was going on in your life in, let's say, right in or around the 1st of December in 2001, what was happening in the same point in December, 1982. And two things came up for me. And when you and I talked, like, number one, I will say I'm not someone that feels usually um, when I I know there are certain people who are very sensitive to planetary energies and they really feel those full moons. And I mean, we know we've got the research that actually shows, even though science doesn't know exactly why, but that, you know, the, the, um, rates of um, admissions to the emergency room, for example, go up exponentially at the full moon. And I have friends who work in certain industries and they say the full moon time is just, it's crazy. So there's something going on, but I don't normally, I'm not one that just feels things really intensely. And I woke up on Tuesday morning and it felt like I had an adrenaline drip on all day long. Mm. There was like a buzzing in my solar plexus and a feeling of buzzy anxiety. I'm not usually one that experiences anxiety um, just out of the blue. Usually I could pinpoint to something going on in particular, and I couldn't. And so that's what I actually looked up and went, oh, that's right. There was a full moon and there's an eclipse. There must be something around that. Then I listened to the Tosha call and within the next 24 hours, and she shared this. Okay, so all of this to say, I was thinking about what I was doing in December of 2001. I was applying to law school. And Mm. if you're looking at like a cycle, um, you know, repeating or a cycle coming to a close around these 19 year eclipse cycles, it was like that 20 year, 19 to 20 year chapter between 2001 to now was a period of starting out really being led by my head, not my heart. And here I am, December 2020, 19 years later, applying to divinity school. Now it's like leading with the heart and the soul. Um, so there was, the, I, I found great serendipity and a beauty in that. And there were some other things. And so when, when I was having this really anxiety ridden day and just, you know, nothing, none of my normal tools were working, I thought, well, this just must be one of those days. You happened to text me and then someone else yeah. brought it up. And I'm like, okay, so there must be something to this. So you were saying, um, do you mind sharing kind of what came up for you around these 19 year cycles? Cause I think it really feeds into exactly where you are in your mm-hmm. journey at this current moment in Richmond, Virginia. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was interesting that that kind of time, it's like, like I was saying, I was just feeling like this deep fear and a little bit, it almost felt like, um, you know, I do oh, a lot I did of, it. sorry, a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got in trouble at the beginning because yeah. I hit my desk. My apologies to out there. <laughs> That was just me bumping my desk. Sorry. You're just being human. Sorry, mm. Alessandra. Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, I was I was telling Sunny when we had talked, you know, that I had just felt this big fear. And you know, I do a lot of um just a, a lot of kind of parts work with clients where we're just looking at like, you know, maybe younger parts of self that might be coming out, coming through, right? Like what parts of you need to be nurtured. And so, um, I was feeling just like, it almost felt like I had had this like kind of inner kiddo that just felt like so, 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 so sad. So, 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 so scared. And so when Sunny had asked me that and she was saying, you know, um, what had happened in those, um, eclipse cycles around, it was 1982, right. In 2001. And I immediately, as you said that I was like 1982, I believe that is when my dad left my mother and in, you know, and in effect, um, you know, in leaving the marriage with her also like that left me behind as well, just by virtue of that, that split. Um, and so I was thinking, whoa, 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 you know, to have that, um, that sort of attachment stuff kind of, um, activated and churning. And it felt like that made so much sense because it felt almost like that fear, like, am I okay? Am I okay? Is something, you know, something scary is happening without, me being able to pinpoint exactly what it was. And then, um, and then thinking through, you know, in 2001 was when I had, um, left a relationship with somebody who felt actually very paternal, um, and was very, very, um, safe person to start, you know, to really step into my own independence and start, you know, living life on my terms. And so, um, so it felt to me just like, yeah, those big, those two big points were things around safety for me, you know? And so then it was just interesting that in that, in this very same week, um, just feeling that sense of like, like safety, am I okay? Am I okay? As I'm right in the midst of this journey of really teaching myself and learning, I am okay. I've got this. I can do this. Right. I, I can take care of all of the things. Right. And so shedding some of that need and desire for somebody else to be able to do that for me. Yes. Yes. For somebody to save you or take care of you. It's like, you have been creating that with, with your own, like your own soul and its connection to the universe. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to put it on an external anymore. It is now you are cultivating that trust and that strength and that safety with Mm -hmm. your your higher power and your own soul, uh, without any need for the humans who have, it sounds like, you know, if you do like I do believe that, um, that these human circumstances we find ourselves in, like a father leaving, like a breakup with a Mm -hmm. partner that was more paternal, like all these things were helping in the evolution of your growth to get you to this very point. Yes. It's It's really, really cool. Yes. Yes. And something that, you know, 
um, that I've been talking a lot with my own coach about is, you know, how we can sometimes the anxiety that we might feel around those parts is actually anxiety that we're picking up from, um, larger, you know, um, like, uh, sort of like that cultural conditioning of how things are supposed to be right. And that you should be afraid if things are not that way and, um, how we might be unconsciously plugging into, you know, that belief that somebody else has to be with me in order to be okay. Or somebody else has to be, um, you know, there has to be a relationship in order for me to feel safe, or there has to be, you know, a father figure in order for me to feel safe, right? These things that I think, um, uh, that we're, we're kind of plugged into and maybe, maybe we wouldn't, you know, just, we wouldn't be speaking those beliefs like, well, I believe you're most safe, you know, if you're in a relationship, but I'm talking about sort of unconsciously what we might be plugged into and the anxiety that can come from, um, you know, not even knowing that you're, you're tapping into that instead of what do I believe now? And what do I want to plug into? What beliefs do I want to plug into at this point in my life? Yeah. It's interesting to think about that kind of what the collective unconscious holds, of course, from a theory of Young's, uh, Carl Young's. And I, it's interesting to me because I think um, the collective unconscious that we are pulling from now Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it feels like it is, um, you're having to pull from outside the collective unconscious of this culture and this country and its history in the last, you know, however many hundred years, like we're having to pull from like the collective unconscious of like other realms or, or the mm-hmm. infinite potentials mm-hmm. that are out there. Maybe we're creating, putting more into the collective unconscious as you are living it and learning to trust more in spirit and in your, your soul and its connection to that more than anything else. Like it's, it's, it really, the more I look around, I think we are in such a transformational, Mm -hmm. crazy, but exciting time in the evolution of human history. Like if we signed up to be here now, man, we signed up to be in it. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I'm, I'm curious if you could share, do you remember some of what you told me? Like when, if people are listening and they're kind of like, Oh yeah, I resonate with that where it feels like things are not feeling magical or it feels like things are feeling scarier. It feels like the path is unclear. Um, do you remember some of your sunny words of wisdom that you shared? Well, I think I, yes. And what's so funny is that here I am sitting at my desk. I will try not to bump it as I move slowly to look in my trash can. Ah, I do. I think I have my little sticky note because we were, we were taking notes. Yes. Well, not, it's just, I, my mother always, she does not believe this, but I was diagnosed when I was an adult with ADD and I, I definitely have the, those tendencies where if I don't write something down immediately, it flies out of my head and then I'm looking at the shiny object or the squirrel or whatever. Yes. Like, so I, I keep feel when... the same way. Yes. <laughs> my mother's like, you don't have that. And I'm like, mom, I mean, if it is a thing, I definitely meet the criteria mm-hmm. for it. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so I kept a little running list of like some ideas I had while you were talking so yeah. I can grab those. And honestly, we're at the bottom of the hour. Why don't we take our break and then I can grab the little note thing and then we come back. We can dive into that a little bit more. Um, perfect. Okay, good. Benny, are we all good for a break? 
We can. Is oh, okay, 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 good, good. Guess I didn't want to call it and then you'd be in the ox studio. I, you knew exactly where I was. I heard you and I'm running back in here. Oh, well so played, good. well played. And I heard the desk too, by the way. I caught going... you, yeah. Uh, do what? I heard you touch your desk, by the way. So I told I know. It's I okay try not to. I'm working on it. It's okay. Anyway. We'll work on that. We'll work on that in session. <laughs> yeah. So I will... We'll work on that together. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so before I hit my desk again, we're going on a break. You are listening to Sunny in Seattle. It is first Friday on Sunny in Seattle, so I'm one of your co-hosts, Sunny Joy. I'm joined by Dr. Alessandra Duke. Yes, and we will be back in just a few. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazarus, and this is Climate Connections. As the weather gets colder, Carmen Fernholz of Minnesota enjoys looking out at his fields of Kernza. This wheatgrass is a perennial, which means it overwinters and comes back in spring. It's so nice to see some green fields late into November and December and early again in March and April. Kernza grows chest high, with roots that can extend nearly 10 feet below ground. So over time, it helps build soil carbon, improve soil health, and reduce runoff. We look at increased rains that we're getting even in western Minnesota, we got a way to take care of that extra precipitation all the better. And Kernza can provide farmers with two crops, forage for livestock, and a grain that can be used in cereal and other foods. So it's promising, but new. Fernholtz is growing a small amount and giving feedback to researchers. He says his main concern is figuring out how to keep yields up over time. But he says growing Kernza for a few years between other crops will improve his soil. And so by utilizing the Kernza, it's just going to make that field much better for my major revenue crops of corn and soybeans. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I hoped he'd get help. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. (laughs) Welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. (laughs) Just get used to that music, folks. We're going to be playing that until Alessandra lands somewhere permanently. (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, okay. So we had a little moment to regroup and I pulled my, my post-it note out of my little office trash can that I had from our conversation this week, um, where I was jotting down things so that I wouldn't forget. Um, yeah. So, um, one of the things that, um, that was helpful also for me when I was going through my divorce, I remember my therapist at the time told me, Um, as you are going through a big life event like this, there will be certain markers, you know, you, there's the initial separation where you move out of the house. There's, there's a huge, uh, a huge wave of big feels, a lot of grief and some other things. When you do that fear and sadness and all of the, just a big jumble of feels. And then at that next point, when you have the conversation with your spouse, for example, that I had to have with my then husband, that, 
I do not see a possibility of reconciliation. The separation needs to turn to a dissolution of the marriage. That was a huge one too. And then when we signed the divorce decree, it's like you, I think one can feel as if, okay, okay, that's behind me now. And then something will happen. And it's just another marker on the path that allows another crest of emotion to come through, to be brought up and processed and and to pass through you. And so I was, when we talked this week, I was just noticing that there was an example, like, I know we shared the story of that moment in Reno when you were literally <laughs> at the crossroads of getting on the on-ramp or going like to yes. east or west <laughs> in the country. Gosh, I could not get myself on the highway. Yeah. yeah. But when we talked, you had realized there was uh, something had happened, like you and you and your partner had made at that moment a decision um, that was more definitive that you would not be coming back together. And so there was, there was a huge wave of emotion. And this week when we talked, you shared with me that there had been, like you just said earlier in the show, you had just let go of the house. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, I want to just um, normalize. I think I had the same experience when I was going through my divorce. If anyone out there is, is having the first holiday, for example, without a spouse or a loved one, or and I'm saying like they're perhaps have transitioned, or perhaps it is just that you can't be with them, and this is this is a new experience. But that those kind of um, I don't want to call it even a trigger necessarily, and I guess you could in a way that the universe is benevolently. Um, what's the, I just see like a beautiful little, like a nudge, like a tiny little nudge, like, okay, it's okay. Let's feel this now. This little circumstance has been orchestrated so that you can experience the next wave of emotion around this to get it up and out so that you are a clean slate when the time comes for the next breadcrumb to follow that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And, so, and I think that was so normalizing when you, yeah, when you shared that, just that like it, it just does come in these waves. And I think that sometimes, um, you know, there's kind of this expectation in our culture and then, you know, in talking to very well-meaning people and friends who are just kind of like, it almost feels like they're like, yeah, okay, cool. Like the breakup happened. And so now what are you doing? Right. (laughs) Now what's happening? And it's like, I'm, you know, I'm still working through bits and bits and pieces of it. Yeah. So that's, I liked when you talked about that was really validating. Yeah. And I I will just, now that you're saying that it's reminding me, I have this very vivid memory of driving home from, this is in Seattle. This would have been in around 2015, um, maybe even 2016. And, um, I had been like, I, I got separated in 2011. We started divorce proceedings in 2012. Um, and so I was long gone from Austin and the marriage, Um, But my real grief didn't hit me until three or four years later because the anger that I'd been carrying, the anger that had fueled me forward. What do they say? Um, Was it Gandhi who said he used his anger to fuel him through the fear? I don't want to say Gandhi and anger. I feel like it was something along those lines, like let, Mm -hmm. let the anger instead of becoming an affliction. I think Audre Lorde talks about this. Let the anger, instead of becoming an affliction, become your fuel for the good work that you want to do. And so anyway, my anger had fueled me out of the marriage, but 
the anger subsided after three or four years. And then it was like these huge cresting waves of grief. And I remember driving home from my office and one just hit me out of nowhere. Mm. And mind you, you know, I've been with Chase, like the greatest love of my life, like for years at this point. And there's, I can hold both of those. It's okay to hold both of those, this great love for Chase and still this deep grief for Mm. what happened with my marriage And I was, I just screamed at the top of my lungs. I'm driving down the road, the music is on. And it just, it just felt like this guttural, like upwelling, kind of like when you see people at a funeral keening, um, not something in our culture that you see very often, but this wailing. And it's just, I got it. I finally got that. I could never make myself do it, but this was like a sneeze. I couldn't hold it in. And it was just Mm -hmm. like this, Like, Mm -hmm. and then sobbing and I sat in front of the house and finally Chase came and knocked on the window and was like, uh, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, it's just grief. I just need to get it out. He's like, okay, well, come in whenever you're ready. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that is normal Mm -hmm. out there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, and like you were saying to me, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's still just been, it's so fresh, right? There's just, I think that we all in our, in our society, which is kind of like ever changing, ever evolving new iPhone, every three months, six (laughs) months, you know, just constantly going forward. I think that we don't really offer enough patience and time for ourselves, right? Like you were saying, it's only been three months, you know? Um, And so I think it's, you know, it's important to remember that as well, you know? Um, And, um, the universe not forgetting you was something that we also yeah, they talk, to, speak to that part. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause you had, you, you used those, that phrase today and I, you used it earlier this week and I thought, oh, that's such a perfect title for like a blog post or something like mm-hmm. the universe has not forgotten you or did the mm-hmm. universe forget me. And I, I just was, um, saying that to me, like when you describe the situation you're in, cause you weren't sure you know, you, you've got, you're going to stay in Richmond till the end of the year, but maybe there, the doors were not opening to your next breadcrumb or stop as easily as they say had in the last two months. And you could make that mean any number of things. Our mind loves to make things mean things. So you could make it mean the universe has forgotten about you, or it could be that the universe is orchestrating something that is uh, allowing you, number one, the universe is, is putting together the tapestry behind the scenes. And there are some moving pieces that there's no way we could know about that need to be fall into place because they involve different people or different spaces that need to be available or ready for this collaboration. Um, but in the meantime, I was thinking if you are just stuck, not, not that you feel stuck, but if one feels like, oh, nothing is moving forward and here I am just sitting in deep grief. If only I had a distraction of something magical to, you know, take my mind off this. And I think, you know, another way of looking at that is that you have now the opportunity to actually feel this grief fully without distraction so that when the next breadcrumb appears, you are primed and ready and you, the, you know, because the emotions that we don't feel, we know they follow, they stay with you until mm-hmm. you decide to address them or they come out, seep out in other ways, like, you know, uh, buffering behaviors yeah. that we've talked about a lot mm-hmm. on the show. Mm-hmm. So you're like, you're just, you're walking straight into the fire. Let yourself be forged mm-hmm. anew. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yes, and I think too, you know, you you had said we we talked about like what is perfect about this time, you know? And I think that it's so important, you know, even for people who are listening to think about if there's something in your life right now that is feeling like it's not moving or it's not looking exactly how you want it to be is thinking about that question of what's perfect about how this is, what this, you know, situation is, you know, and that was something that, that, you know, that I had said like, yeah, the perfect thing about not knowing, you know, where I'm headed to next and sort of having a little bit of, you know, extended time here is being able to breathe, being able to feel, being able to rest, being able to, you know, be closely connected with, you know, friends who are nearby and to have this kind of space to fully feel. Whereas like, the I'm I am really good at taking action and doing the next kind of thing and so that is a really nice distraction for me if it's like oh yeah like I can plan a trip I can hit the road I can go see a new city oh it'll be so sparkly and shiny and a new adventure right and so you know you were just saying like okay and then that that takes you out of that that grief out of that rest out of that peaceful feeling you know so trying to look at it as this time is actually perfect, even if it feels like the human emotions, right? Like sadness yeah. feels like challenging, feels, you know, emotional, like those kinds of things. Um, you know, I think that so often we're just kind of trying to stay in the 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 higher level, the higher frequencies of like, I, I want to be in joy. I want to be feeling alive. I want to feel, you know, all these things. And it's like, it's also very much alive and vital to be feeling the harder, sadder feelings as well. Yeah. And I, I want to be careful, you know, when we're talking about this, because I, I, I saw I'm, I'm on Lissa Rankin's mailing list and she mm -hmm. had a little blog that came through this week that was talking about like toxic, it was, I, I can't remember exactly how she put it, but something around toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. I do not in any way, shape or form mean to, well, I'll just frame it up in the, the, the exactly how we did in our conversation. Cause I ask you at the outset, do you want to witness, do you need to process, or do mm -hmm. you want me to challenge and coach? And you said, we, we decided it was like kind of a combination, you know? <laughs> and so <laughs> when I'm saying, okay, what's perfect about this? And the yeah. universe is working in the background. Like that's one side of it. Yes. But in no way am I recommending that you don't feel the hard mm -hmm. things that you're feeling. Like there's, mm -hmm. you, again, you can hold both. Uh, and I do not think that just reframing it to the perfection of it is the, the only thing that needs to be done there. Um, so yeah. anyway, I just want to make sure I'm not being one of those toxic positivity people and, <laughs> No, it was, I mean, I think that, it, you know, that the, there was an important distinction made around like how important this grieving is now, right. And how valuable that is and not to rush through that, that that was an important part of the process. And, you know, and I think too, that, yeah, people, people are, are quick to jump to like, how about thinking about it this way? Right. But I don't, I don't think that that is this at all because it like there can be perfection in the grief. There's perfection in the sadness, right? There's perfection in the needing to be exactly where you are. Yeah. Cause I think grief particularly. Um, and again, 
I haven't lost a child. I haven't, and I don't want to, I know a lot of the folks that I've interviewed or that I follow that talk about grief are like, don't, don't try to compare the grief. Like just be, everybody's got, it's relative to you. So mm-hmm. don't try to say someone's loss is greater than another and compare and contrast. Um, so, but still, I know I haven't experienced, I feel like some of the events that others have. So when I say this, I don't want I guess I just don't want to come across as having so little perspective on this. Why am I even talking about it? Um, um, but now I've completely lost my train of thought and trying to preface that. What were you saying right before that? <laughs> about like you were saying, oh, we're talking about how the sadness is. Ah, There's perfection yes. in the grief. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Thank yes. you. Okay. So the grief that I have experienced around um, losing my ex-husband and losing um, several pets in the last several years this is not, again, I haven't experienced genocide or I haven't lost a loved one to COVID or uh, any of the myriad things that are happening for folks. But I will say, when I let myself be with the grief um, around a couple of these instances in the last several years, I had this feeling like if you were to try to explain to say um, a, a creature from another planet that did not have emotion, like what it was like to love something so deeply and to have this like upwelling of something that just is, it really is magical coming where your heart, it hurts, your chest hurts, your heart hurts, you're sobbing, you can't breathe. Like, but somehow if you're looking at it from the observer standpoint, how incredible is that depth of, feeling that seems to access something so much bigger than what our human body contains and to be able to channel that through just for a little while, like, wow, the human experience is cool. When else do we have that opportunity? You know, because you talk to near-death experiencers or the folks who work with, you know, beings on the other side of the veil and when we're not in human bodies, so often it is uh, formless and and blissful and all of these beautiful things. So this opportunity we have to get to just get down in the muck and like feel, like mm. physically feel and emotionally feel. It, it really, if you can look at it, just step outside of the experience to more of the cosmic or the, the watcher viewpoint, these emotions, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really amazing. And it's like, that gets to be part of, I mean, it's, it is the human experience, right? And, and that's how we being able to experience the sadness and the grief and all of that is how we understand and appreciate joy, right? Yes. And happiness and contentedness. Like we wouldn't know that that joy felt so good without also knowing grief. Mm-hmm. Right. We wouldn't know that that like happiness and contentment and calm felt so good without anxiety and <laughs> despair, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it, I, they're both, I mean, it's all just so important and to be easy with yourself when you are in, you know, in these kind of sadder emotions and, and important to tend to yourself well and know that just like, happiness doesn't stay around forever, right? We, we aren't just like 
constantly bouncing off of the walls with just <laughs> joy, right? We would be so exhausted. So it's like, just like that doesn't stay around forever. The same, the grief doesn't either. The sadness doesn't either. It feels like it might. Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't. It too, it also passes. Yeah. And the other thing I'm thinking as you're talking, um, so um, we, this last round of Soul Digger Book Club, we explored the book, Remember Every Breath is Precious. Um, it is a near-death experience story. One of my favorites. I've interviewed her twice on the show, Leslie Joan Lupo. Um, and for the last meeting of book club, she was kind enough, the, the author was kind enough to join us so that folks could ask questions. And it, it, she reminded me or reminded us, you know, when you're, when you're not in human form and you're kind of looking down at what's going on on earth and either she had the experience when she had her near death experience, you know, she lifted out of body and she's had this really rich experience that she calls in the upstairs. That's her word for the heavenly realms. And she got to make the decision about whether to come back. And she said, much like a soul before it incarnates in a human body at birth in the near death experience, she also had the opportunity, you know, looking back, like what will happen in her life? What are some of the potentials if she decides to go to earth? And she said, it's so funny. And I've heard other of the people that I've interviewed talk about this very same phenomenon. You're not in human form and you're like, oh, I can totally handle that divorce. Oh my gosh. I'll totally be able to handle that bankruptcy. Are you kidding? Give me three of them. I've got, you know, I've got the power that creates worlds running through me, send me back down and I'm going to, you know, do all these things. And then we get down here. We forget as is the design. And then you're like, oh my God, this breakup is going to kill me. <laughs> you know, this, like, not that you've said that to me, but I'm just saying for somebody out there, you know, or, oh, I just don't know if I can make it through 2020. Like, I wonder if we all looked out and we're like, okay, 2020 is going to happen. Oh, we'll be able to handle that. No problem. We'll be able to do all the things. So I try to remember sometimes when I'm going through those things within a lighthearted way, you know, if I had set all this up ahead of time and knew that I had the power and more to be able to handle it with grace, with strength, with resilience, and more importantly, in a way that grows my soul at the end of it all. Yes, I sign up for it. So I try to remember that when I'm in the thick of these experiences going, oh my God, how am I going to handle this? What is happening? Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, I think that that's a really, a really great perspective because these experiences, like if you can, if you can just even get yourself to do just kind of like that eagle eye view, right. And seeing kind of the whole picture, it's like, okay, you see that throughout your whole lifetime, there are these, these painful spots or stuck spots, stuck feeling spots or spots where you just kind of feel sort of lost in the fog and can't see your way through it. And eventually you come out of them, right? Like you can probably like take a step back and see that you navigated through several of those, you know, Mm -hmm. and just trusting when you're in it, like (laughs) this, like I can manage this too, right? I can, I can get through this too. And this is only going to grow me more. Yes. Can I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Draw mm-hmm. on that, you know, what is it? Uh, um, little, uh, energizer bunner, bunny battery that comes from source and be a, can I tap back into some of that, that energy and that charge that I knew mm-hmm. that I was bringing to the situation before I mm-hmm. entered this, you know, but entered the human experience. So yeah. 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 
Well, we've got like, I don't know, three minutes left or something. What else? Is there anything else that we didn't cover today that we want to cover before? I mean, I've got, you know, I, you know me, I cannot like you arrive with absolutely mm-hmm. nothing on paper before a show. <laughs> so I do have, you know, my little ideas and things like that, but have, yeah. uh, did we, was well, there anything I else we said we were going to talk just, about? Just in finishing up that last thought, um, mm-hmm. just when you're talking about um, tapping in into that into getting that recharge. Right. And Mm -hmm. I guess I'm curious, like if you've got any ideas for, yeah, how can you like, is, are there things that you use that are helpful to you to, to really remember, you know, from a spiritual perspective, I signed up for this. How do you tap back in? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it, okay. So that actually, I wrote a little blog not too long ago about, um, when I was writing my book, I worked with a writing coach and before we ever were allowed to put pen to paper, she had us do this author feeling state exercise. She called it your author feeling state. And basically if you're feeling totally crappy and blocked, you don't force yourself to write. Your only job at that point is to elevate your author feeling state so that when you sit down, you're more in a range of feeling in the flow so that you're, you know, it's just what you write will be more, uh, will just be better. Okay, so I thought, okay, that's kind of how I like to do my life now is get into what I call, you know, your soul power state. And for me, and we've talked about this on the show before, about kind of our recipe for um, for getting into alignment. Um, and so for me, that means supporting my body, you know, like for whatever, a certain amount of time, like no alcohol or um, eating things that agree with my body and energize it, getting the right amount of sleep. And then, you know, you've got the mind stuff, which is making sure you don't have any crappy thinking that's creating bad feeling or not bad, uh, uncomfortable feeling states in the body, like, you know, sadness and fear and anxiety that's just getting stuck there as a result of you thinking the same thought over and over. And then, um, uh, so supporting the body, uh, making sure the mind is managed and then connecting the spirit. And that's any number, you know, of the activities that we talk about. I love to listen to certain spiritual teachers, be out my, with my favorite trees after my run. And once I get into that state, if I do all of those things, usually I create a pretty nice environment conducive for me to getting tapped back in and going, okay. Okay. Yes. I remember now I feel powerful now I feel resilient and I can handle it. So for me, it's about getting into my soul power state and just like the author feeling state, not writing when you're in a crappy one, I don't do the hard things when I'm in a crappy, when I'm not in my soul power state, I just know I wait until I am. And then, then I recall, okay, this is what I came for. This is my mission all that. So Anyway, yeah, oh, oh, I Benny said the music is going. <laughs> He's ready. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry to bring it so close to the end of the hour. You have been listening to Sunny in Seattle. It was first Friday. I was one of your hosts, Sunny Joy, joined by Dr. Alessandra Duke. And thank you, Benny, as always. Uh, we will see you next week. Bye. <laughs>